Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 117. I am one week away from Morocco. I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm also excited to get a couple more episodes in here for you before I leave. I don't know if I will be recording in Morocco. I hope to. Uh, But if not, you'll have a couple of these episodes to listen to while I am gone. My guest today is named Gabrielle Lenart. She is the founder of an organization based out of New York City that is called This Queer Kitchen. What she does through this organization is she creates food-centric events um, that are centered around people on both sides of food, so consumers and producers, And they are specifically designed for the LGBTQ community, hence the name This Queer Kitchen. She's done a few events so far, and she's got a a few more coming up in, I think there's two this week, um, but there's a bunch of stuff coming up here in the summer. She's really inspiring. I mean, she talked about there being a need for uh, an organization like this that could create a space for you know people in the world of food who identify um, on the spectrum of queer, right? So I thought that was really cool because you know so many times you hear people say, "Oh, I wish there was a this," or "I wish there was a that." I mean, maybe someone might even look at what she's doing and saying, "Oh, I wish there was uh, a similar organization for people in." food who are from Russia. I don't know, but you get my point. And that she saw a need for something, so she said, hey, I'm going to go create the thing that there is a need for. So yeah, if you listen to this and you think, hey, maybe I would like to do a similar type of event for this group of people, hey, go do it. That would be amazing. Hopefully she can inspire you that way. I found this conversation really inspiring and enlightening, and I'm glad that she gave me her time today and gave you her time today. A little housekeeping stuff. We started this conversation at a place called The West. It's a coffee shop with an outdoor spot, but there was a ton of construction and it was loud in there. So the first half of this is going to be noisy. I apologize for that, uh, but you know, these are all sort of like shot on location, right? Uh, Everything I own fits into a small closet. So I don't have a studio or space or anything like that. I'm often quite literally recording on the road or in the road, basically next to the road. Uh, So I'm sorry that you have to deal with a little bit of that. Of course, though, I'm working with the wizard, Brian, and Brian makes everything sound better through his editing skills, so uh, you can hear the conversation well. About halfway through, I mentioned we got up and we left. Where did we go? We went to a place called Think Coffee, and it was uh, a little bit away from the street. There's a more quiet. So you'll hear maybe like a brief pause halfway through the conversation and then you'll hear like the the sound get a little bit better. Uh, So thank you for dealing with that and thank you to Brian for being an amazing technical genius. All right, folks, I'm going to have a song played for you here instead of my normal interlude music. And that song is Jane, J-A-I-N, and the song is Makeba. Uh, it was my birthday this week. Hey, happy birthday to me. And we were listening to a little birthday playlist. And this came up. It was the first time I ever heard it, even though it's got like 90 million views. So I'm a little bit late to the party. But now you are going to hear it. 
right before you hear that, I will say go to the show notes for this episode and you will find the links to Gabrielle's social media accounts and links to some of the organizations that we talked about. Uh, she did a really good job of sort of like curating information during this episode. So please make sure you go and give Gabrielle and this queer kitchen and some of these organizations, uh, go give them your love because they are much, much deserving of that. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. You know how it works, folks, right? It's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly $1, $5, $5,000 million, trillion dollars. And that all goes to keeping the episodes coming and the stories and the education and whatever it is that you listen to this for, it keeps the episodes coming. So if you're able to do that, that's amazing. If not, thank you for listening anyway. Love you all regardless. All right, here is Jane Makeba and then my conversation with Gabrielle. Oh, 
All right, Gabrielle. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, this is really cool to get to sit down with you, so I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Love to be here. Awesome. Are you from New York originally? No, I'm not. Where are you from? Um, uh, outside Philadelphia. Oh, where? Uh, Bucks County. Okay. So, wow, that's weird. Um, <laughs> so I know people from Philly. Okay. Uh, now I'm knowing more people from Philly. And this yeah. weekend, I was at a graduation party and someone said the exact same thing. Oh, I'm from just outside of Philly. We're at Bucks County. Yeah, that's just like, I guess, how we introduce ourselves. <laughs> I wonder if you would know this guy too. <laughs> What's his name? Because all right, so wow. All right, maybe all right, maybe we'll do that later because okay, okay. <laughs> we'll leave names out. But it was a graduation party, and one okay. of the people went to NYU. Oh, really? You were just mentioning it's NYU. A small world, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so <laughs> there's construction in the background, but we'll manage. Um, we can handle it. We're New Yorkers now. Yeah. <laughs> So I did um, an interview with Linda Thatch. Yes. And I saw that you had posted uh, like a comment on that post. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the like the really cool things about doing this is that I I get exposed to other people either through like direct recommendation or I then like get on social media and kind of follow their circles. Yeah. Um, and so I saw the organization that you're running. Yes. I was interested in it. And I was like, wow, we should definitely sit down and do this. Yeah. So it's called This Queer Kitchen. Correct. Uh, Explain the title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's actually one of the most questions that I get not being in New York City, though. Like, when mm -hmm. I go home or when I'm in the suburbs, people are, like, first of all, extremely offended that I would call myself queer and or put this queer kitchen as my business name, which is rather ironic to me because I see it more as, like, a reclaiming word. Like, I'm taking this word back and showing the power, the positive power that it has on people and, like, the whole, like, I guess premise of this queer kitchen is to facilitate genuine connections in the queer community. So by using that name, it's literally drawing that type of crowd, that type of demographic to a safe, inclusive spot. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you talk about people not from New York, sort of not really understanding it. Yeah. I think that's something that's happening in this country right now with yeah. the dialogue around like social issues. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you define queer? Um, I think queer is like an umbrella term for anything that falls under the LGBTQAI plus community. And it's really just like how you identify um, I, gender identity and sexual orientation, orientation definitely like play a role into that. Mm. Um, and so I feel like queer is just a really inclusive term when you're unsure of someone's sexuality. But oh. I guess it usually strays towards more like lesbian, gay, ETC, ETC. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, again, like it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, having lived in New York City for a long time and being from New York, uh, I just read this book called um, "What's the Matter with Kansas," okay. and it's uh, I won't like, <laughs> get into all of it, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it talks about sort of like how we got to the current uh, political situation in this country, and I do think there's a large section of this country that sort of sees themselves as not included in the national mm -hmm. narrative yeah. because there are places like New York City that are moving in a positive direction yeah, towards like forward. right of inclusivity but then there's people who have like really traditional values mm -hmm. and like who grew up on religion yes and maybe like that's not necessarily a fault or a bad thing but they don't see themselves included in these things and so when they see something new or they don't see people that even look like them anymore, right? right? right. Uh, it's sort of the make America great again thing. <laughs> like they yeah. want to see people who look like them. Um, so it's, it was just something I was thinking about when I when I read the title that like how 
how can we sort of reach those people as well and sort of like yeah. get them educated on um, different lifestyles and orientations and things yeah. like that? I think that's a really interesting topic topic because like I use the word queer to avoid boxes and to like mm. not label anybody but I guess at the same time by using that word it actually alienates the rest of the people who do not identify themselves as that. Yeah, and that's why I hope, you know, there are people who do listen to this from all over the country. Like, that's that's my hope with having, you know, people from a diverse set of backgrounds yeah. on here is that in some way we can at least educate people. Absolutely. That okay. makes a lot of sense. So what exactly uh, is, your, like, your mission statement? Or what yeah. exactly are you looking to do with this Queer Kitchen? So the literal mission statement is to facilitate genuine connections in the queer community through food. So... Um, basically, I, I can just get into a little bit of the background if you're interested. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to NYU right now for my master's in food studies. And one of my assignments in one of my classes was to create a web page. And you had the option of creating a business or a personal page. And I was working full time and I was just like burnout. And I was like, I'm just going to do a personal page. And I feel like a few people at my school knew that I was like an LGBTQA plus activist. And like I've always been involved and I identify as a queer woman. My professor is actually part of the community too. And he reached out to me and was like, I feel like there's more to than, than your personal page. I feel like you should push yourself because what you put into the program is what you get out of it. And if I'm burnt out and I'm doing a personal page, it's not going to really further me. And I'm coming, I'm paying, I'm coming to school to, I'm paying for it to like further myself. And so I took a step back and I came up with this idea of creating this thing called this queer kitchen, just as like a food blog, Instagram account that I would go around New York city and, um, talk to different people in the food space that identified as queer or like allies or like wanted to foster safe spaces and would just discuss it over food and talk about how it food plays a role in your identity and things like that. And then I started getting a lot of followers on Instagram and I don't mean a lot. I mean like I had maybe like a thousand and I was like, this is such a passion project. I can't believe this many people follow what I'm doing right yeah. now. And I think the name helped too because Sometimes when you look for things for people that look like you or do things like you on Instagram, you type in stuff and then I guess this queer kitchen would come up a lot if, when, if queer people would search it. I want to unpack some things from that because yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> oh, there's more too, so please. All right, cool, cool. Um, so I know just like as, as, a, as a teenager, like uh, I was a waiter, I was a food runner, I worked yeah. in catering. I wouldn't say I worked in food, but like I did okay, like yeah. the traditional thing that most teenagers do their first couple of jobs. Yeah. Um, but I was always interested, in, obviously, in like people like Anthony Bourdain, and yeah. I read um, Gabrielle Hamilton's, Hamilton's memoir. Right? She yeah. she uh, owns Prune. Yes. And from their accounts, uh, from like the six, late 60s, 70s onwards, like kitchens were sort of dominated by like a masculine energy, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why now you start seeing people coming out, like some of these even like popular chefs uh, yeah. were doing some things that weren't okay. Is that, so, is that part of the idea when you say like creating a, a safe space that also involves food? So when I think about a safe space, I do, I am talking about the restaurant industry, but I'm, I'm straying away from like the kitchen because I'm thinking about the consumer space. Okay. Like, I mean, the, being inclusive and diverse in your kitchen and having queer chefs and having respect for women and doing everything that you should be already doing, which we shouldn't have to tell people about, should already be a thing. I shouldn't have to go around New York City and look for restaurants that are doing the right thing, if that makes sense. Mm, okay. And when you say, just again, uh, I'm just trying to sort of strip it so that sure. uh, people who, again, like 
aren't exposed to yeah. the things that we're exposed to understand. Absolutely. When you say doing the right thing, that makes me think of, uh, and my girlfriend's going to kill me, she just <laughs> taught this Supreme Court case, but probably most people would know that there was the case of the baker who wouldn't sell the cake to the homosexual couple. Yes. Are you talking about that, like ethical business practices? Yeah, and things like that? absolutely. Okay. I think it really plays a role into morals. Like, I feel like... It just, it blows my mind that it's 2019 and we are still having all these sexual assault cases come out mm. and like sexual harassment in the kitchen and people not being treated the right way. And when I say the right way, I'm like, just treat them like a human being, like just because they're at work. And I understand there's different dynamics in the kitchen, like with the chefs and things like that. But at the same time, they're like, at the end of the day, everybody's human. They're all there working together. Like you have to work as a team. And so you should already be fostering this type of di diverse and inclusive environment. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, so the, there's, you know, there's uh, no shortage of things to do in New York City, right? Absolutely. There's like yeah. kayaking clubs. <laughs> there's yoga everywhere. There's uh, at the McCarran, there's like kickball leagues. Yeah. Why food as sort of the medium yeah. to, to gather people? I love that question, truly, because cool. I feel like food connects us all and it's intrinsic to culture, especially queer culture. Um, you can really find out a lot about people through sharing and bonding a meal, uh, over a meal with them, regardless if you made it or not. But it's like, you don't need to like think about topics to talk about. If you're sitting there eating, you can talk about the shared connection that you're having through food. You can really get to know people and it doesn't put any pressure on anything. Um, I also think that people's identities come through their food. I was pretty much raised in the kitchen. My mother is the most spectacular like home cook and like I didn't even really have canned soup till I went to college so I'm extremely thankful and spoiled yeah um so like there's I just was always in the kitchen and I found it like a safe haven a comfort for me and so moving to New York City um two and a half years ago I was trying to find like a place where I could meet other people like me and like discover these connections and really just build community. And so I was looking for a spot that was A, queer and inclusive, and B, had some type of food element so I could learn about different cultures and not have the pressure of like being at a bar or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so awesome. Uh, it's something I've talked about over and over and over on here. You know, I, I stepped away from uh, like a career position yeah. at a school and um, initially started talking about like the crazy things that were happening while I was traveling <laughs> on here because it would like you get so many of those though. yeah and it would get eyes on the podcast and stuff like that and yeah. they make for good stories but then I started to sort of like with sort of like my work friends and stuff take on this like the persona of like whoa Tim's the crazy guy like, Tim's <laughs> yeah. the adventure guy Tim's like, <laughs> it's cool but it's like to me it, it's sort of talking about like what you just said when I'm traveling the most meaningful moments that I've had like and the really like sort of like the holy moments have been when I'm like sitting down at a table in another country with people from a different culture and they're like excited to show me their food. There's like the nurturing aspect of it. Uh, so I totally, totally, totally understand like using food as a, as a medium to build community. Yeah. So I think that's a, a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very thankful that what has turned into because again, I started this as a food blog and now it's turned into pretty much my whole life. <laughs> I launched back in April which of this year. I like rebranded, restructured. I was um, throwing a 
launch party at Butter and Scotch and I expected maybe 30 people to come out like friends and, and or people who heard about it and then the day comes and 100 people show up and yeah, I'm awesome. in tears because I'm so thankful that this many people are coming out to support the cause um, it was a happy hour for the Trevor Project okay so I have that in my notes can, yeah. can you explain what the Trevor Project is the Trevor Project is basically a like hotline or like a lifeline for adolescents who are queer and or suicidal and going through depression and things like that um, and I think that really hits home for me too because like one of the first resources I had as a yeah. kid not that I had depression or anything but like the computer just came out like pretty much and so you just google like queer and LGBT and stuff like that and that was like one of the first sites that came up and I felt like if there was ever a need for me to do something like if I ever needed help or anything like that I felt like because I knew about it that I could go there and so mm. I was like for my launch I want to utilize this resource and bring awareness and visibility to this type of cause oh that's really cool <laughs> yeah, um, I have a. No, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on to so that much one to for talk now. Talk about right? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, maybe I will bring this up now. Sure. So I had this in my notes to ask you. I wrote this down like a week ago, okay. and then uh, we watched the Daily Show yesterday, and they did a segment on this, and I was okay. like, oh crap. Um, but <laughs> no, please. Essentially, uh, you know, it's it's Pride Month. Yeah. And again, New York City is a place that oh, uh, yeah. celebrates Pride. Yeah. To the max. Actually, this year's World Pride. Yeah. 50th of Stone Mall. Okay, so, exactly. Like, you look around now, and, like, I went past Chase Bank the other day. Okay. And Chase Bank had um, Pride posters up. Yes. You go into, you know, like, pretty much any name brand store. Absolutely. And they're selling Pride shirts, right? Yes. Is... This is a good thing that this is becoming normalized and there's at least the appearance of more allies or are is it a bad thing that people are just like sort of cashing in of culture? E exactly. I have a very strong opinion about this. Okay. And I think that is because I like to use this term called rainbow washing. Ah. And it is when big brands like you're saying like Chase and like those kind of companies just throw a rainbow on something and then they're like, "Yeah, we're allies." And Okay, number one, it's great if they truly are allies and they have a pride group and some of their profits are going to an LGBT uh, org or like the Trevor Project or something like that. Yeah. But when they just slap a rainbow on and don't do anything else about it, I think they're trying to monetize off of queer culture. And I don't think being queer is like not a choice. Like people, like they don't have the option to be something else if they wanted to be. So you're literally taking who we are as a person and selling it for extra money. Yeah, I don't know so, if, I, if I really get to chime in on this, but that's sort of what I was thinking and yeah. what I was thinking watching that segment. I actually thought the segment kind of fell short because, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a half comedy show. But uh, I didn't come to a conclusion, really. Yeah. And the conclusion that we were talking about last night was like, yeah, like, what if 50% of the proceeds from that merch and things like I'm that went to organizations? Yeah, exactly. I'm totally fine with that. Like, actually, I'm going to tell you a, a really funny just tidbit. So I love Mag Magnolia Bakery, right? Uh -huh. um, I go there for their bread. Uh, their banana pudding, excuse me, I could never mess it up all the time. And I saw they were doing a pride special and they were uh -huh. like, come out for pride month and try this, like all this. So I commented on with my This Queer Kitchen and was like, oh, so what, um, what percent of your proceeds are going to what organization? And they waited like a few days and then they responded back with the Trevor Project. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, I don't know if they already had that plan, but it's just interesting they didn't include it in the original post and then I followed up with them and asked about it. Hey, man, that's pretty cool, too, though, because I think, like... It's important. It's, it's important. It shows that, you know, an individual can make a difference. Uh, again, I think that 
we're so divided right now in this country. And I think that a lot of times, like, folks on both sides are just, uh, are angry or confused and are just uh, very reactionary. And it's like, maybe it's really unfair to make, you know, people on the side uh, who have been oppressed in the past to sort of like have to dig deep yeah. and, and to, you know, swallow their pride and like educate someone else. Maybe that's not their responsibility. Yeah. But I do think reactions like that that are like not necessarily aggressive. You could have been like, hey, this is not right. This yeah. is not cool. But you sort of like... I was, I was probing because yeah. I was curious. And you sort of pushed them in a direction where they would have to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. They could have said no, but yeah. instead... They said, yes, and here's our organ. I was very thankful about that. Um, and I think it goes back to like what you were saying earlier about um, places like that are more conservative and traditional. And I think when rainbow washing comes into effect, especially in places like New York City, it's ironic because it's dehumanizing to throw a rainbow on something. If we sat down with people who are traditionalists and or you know, conservatives, and they just realized who queer people are as humans and, like, talk to them about identity, I think this nation would be a lot more understanding because when you don't see somebody as a human, it really, really takes away from understanding. Yeah, I think there's a lot that we need to do. You know, I consider, uh, I would call myself an ally. Um, I use ally as a verb. So people are allies to me when they're actively doing something to support a specific community. Okay, then that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, which maybe I'm doing to a very small extent through this, yeah. uh, but then maybe the word is more like I would consider myself a tolerant person, but I still can see the ways that like uh, just growing up, uh, not even being explicitly taught mm -hmm. to feel a certain way about like homosexual behaviors, but just the way yeah. you're sort of conditioned you know, as a boy in like a largely heterosexual culture, mm -hmm. um, the ways that you come to to view certain things, and you have to shed that and break that. And absolutely, again, if you're in, well, you could use Kansas as a case study where you grow up, the people that you love and respect, and your educators and your authority figures are teaching you that this violates God's law, and like these are the people you believe, uh, and you don't see a lot of people who are out around you. Yeah. Um, I'm really not excusing these people, but I do think this is sort of the kind of dialogue that needs to take place to at least understand. Sure, there's some people who are just evil <laughs> and like yeah. vehemently anti. Like, um, but I think just coming to sort of an understanding in the beginning to help then educate people might yeah. go a long way. Like, can you imagine if we sat down at a table, a community table with church members from, let's say, Kansas, and it was me and my fellow team and or anybody else who queer who wanted to join me and we just sat and ate a meal together and talked. Do you think there'd be that much conflict? Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, and that's another really genius thing in using food. So I was going to ask that too. Like, um, are there plans eventually to sort of like include maybe straight folks into the yeah. discussions in the events? Well, I, I love allies at my events. People reach out to me that are allies all the time and ask to volunteer, which at the beginning I was a little bit confused about because I, I again, I guess queer can be um, alienating, but it's supposed to be inclusive. It's supposed to be like welcoming and like comforting and like be who you want to be, be your authentic self. That's all that I really try and really want to foster. But at the same time, like, I, again, I want allies and people who supporters because we can't do it without them but this is a safe space for the queer community which we don't have it's us creating a space right now and so like that's like my main priority okay yeah um 
Have you been on a podcast before? <laughs> no. No? Well, I saw that, um, you know, Lori Wolliver, she follows you. She was, um, I guess, like Anthony Bourdain's like assistant or okay. like publicist. She follows me. She does. And she has a podcast called Carb, Carb Face Pod. And they do okay. like, it's all food, okay, restaurants I think I, I, think I know York. what you're talking about. Yeah, I okay. think I've seen it. Okay, I was wondering if you had, because I saw that and I was like, oh man, like that would be like a really good fit too. Yeah, I would definitely have to follow up with that. But it's it's funny that you say that because when you reach out to me, I actually had three other people um, email me and ask to do like video and or really? other podcast interviews. I guess it just, I mean, my growth has been like literally mind blowing to me. Like again, after the launch party, just everything changed. Like this month, my events were with Live Nation. Um, I have an event at the MOFAD, which is the Museum of Food and Drink. Like, I just, like, I would have never, ever expected any of this to happen. This was, again, a pure passion project. There's, like, no monetary value that I'm receiving from this. It's just to, like, create connections in the queer community. And here I am doing this kind of thing. And it's just so, I'm so thankful. And I'm so, like, excited about the future. Because if we can do this in two months, can you imagine what I can do in a year? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's just so empowering. Do you, uh, Linda Thatch from uh, Little Skips and Little Mo? I don't know her personally, but I used to live over in that area when I first lived here, and I loved going to Little Skips and Baby Skips, and I think they have really good products. Like, I love their coffee, like, so much, as well as their environment is so inclusive. Yeah, they're really cool. They're just, everybody who works there is super cool. They give great customer service, and I just really feel comfortable there. And so when I saw that you did the podcast with her, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I'm glad that they are getting recognition because they're awesome. Yeah, and they do uh, they do a lot of really cool events. They have, like, open mics, and uh, they have, like, a, what is the, the drag show yeah. on TV? RuPaul's. Uh, yeah, they have, like, a viewing party. Yep. And they do queer comedy sometimes on Mondays, I believe. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're very inclusive, very supportive of the community. And I think they're making their way in Bushwick. They even do stuff unrelated to the queer community, but just good gen- things in general, like community pickups. And, like, they team with, like, I think they had something with Oatly. And it's just, like, it's just so nice to see people, like, thriving and, again, doing the right thing. Yeah, that's cool. Morally. Last week when I had been reaching out to you, I saw that you guys had an event. Yes. Um, <laughs> which I have in my notes, which was a sex, food, and body event. Positivity, yeah. Can you talk about that? Like, Absolutely. What was that? Absolutely. It's funny. I get a lot of questions on it. Have you looked at the pictures? Yes, oh. I did. <laughs> if you haven't, check out This Queer Kitchen on Instagram. Um, okay, so... The Fluid Project, which is a genderless uh, brand um, in NoHo, Soho area of New York. Um, they are a store that just is gender nonconforming. It's like an amazing space. And oh, okay. Yeah, it's so, called The Fluid Project. Yes, you're right. Uh, of course you're right. I mean, you're telling me about <laughs> it. But yeah, I just passed that recently. Okay. It's awesome. It's so cool. They like bring in different designers and like mostly everyone's part of the queer community and they like highlight different artists and a, uh, a percentage of their profits go to like different organizations. Right now they're doing Stonewall 50. Like I think it's like 20% goes to Stonewall 50 with every purchase, no matter what. Oh, and it's cool. just like super cool. And in the back, they have this community space that they let people do events at for free as long as it's like obviously inclusive and like highlights the community and things like that. And so um, I had a discussion with them one day. I walked into the store and was like, hey, I do this thing called This Career Kitchen and I um, hold events and like coordinate this kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so 
after that, we just had a call and they're like, we'd love to bring food into the space. Like, let's, let's get this going. And so I was like, I want to do something really abstract and artful. And so what I did was... Um, I wanted this body positivity, sex positivity, food positivity um, atmosphere. And I wanted it to be just inclusive and comfortable. And I think comfortability is like a huge element, especially with this kind of thing. Um, so what we did was we brought in a dom and basically they we wrote things on um spoiled and like old food that said, that said like transphobia, homophobia, like all these things that we hated, like... Um, the patriarchy, like all these different things. And then they smashed them Whoa. and it was really cool. And we also had a component of cake sitting, which is what everybody always asks me about. So <laughs> I will tell you about cake, cake sitting? sitting. Cake sitting. Okay. Yeah. So it's usually like a kink or like in the BDSM world kind of thing. And it's just like people sitting on cakes, but instead of being wasteful, I wanted to put something on Whoa. it. So we put fuck Trump on the cake and then they sat on it. Is that's like a sexually stimulating thing for people? Sometimes, yeah. It wasn't oh. in our space. Okay. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I didn't ask anybody, but it was more of like, we are so positive. Like, like we are working on being positive and being like cool with these kind of things. Because I think a lot of people, when they think of the queer gay community, they automatically associate us with like sexual things. And it's mm. just like very demeaning. And so I wanted to, again, rec it's all about reclaiming and showing things in a positive light. Yeah, wow. That is cool. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, did people like eat at this event? Did no. they eat the cakes? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I made a lot of different types of cakes. So I made sure people could eat them if they wanted to, but they don't eat them after it. I mean, there's a few videos of, yeah. Oh, so this was recorded. <laughs> oh yeah, we recorded this. She actually live streamed it on her, sorry, they, they live streamed it on their um, Instagram for people to watch. How, yeah, so how can people go watch this? It's on the uh, Fluid Projects? Domina Gia on Instagram. Okay. I'll put that in our notes for the episode. Uh, is is and there they are really really awesome? So, check them out. Is there a relation between like that event and I saw this organization called Queeranga? Uh, Queeranga. Yeah. Um. So there is not this event was had no like uh, collaboration or anything with them, but they're they're like one of my biggest inspirations. Honestly, they have this like uh series called Be Radical and it's like again food positivity and body positivity for like mostly gender non-conforming and trans plus ECT uh, queer people and so what they do is it's like they make all the food and one of them was done with the aphrodisiac kitchen which is um, this person who um, ties uh, vegan food to like being body positive and so they brought um, them in for one of the events the do one that I book? went to uh, I think they do. Okay, I think, I think they might. That. Yeah, um, they're really awesome too. But Queeranga, um, we do we did this hot yoga class, and then we had this this food to like nourish our bodies and our minds, and then we sat in a circle and talked about our our bodies and like things you could we could talk about anything. It was so empowering because p people were talking about how they feel pre-transition, after transition, how they feel in general when they look in the mirror, etc. And it's just like it's a safe space. You can say whatever you want, and like everyone's there to support you. And it's really nice to have that type of community. So also check them out. They're awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, and man, <laughs> New York is so, like, New York is amazing. There really is, if, if you are looking to be included in a group of like-minded people or yeah. people who have the same lifestyle, again, the same orientation, like, you will find it here. I'm telling you, the queer food movement is now. There's never been such a presence as of this year. Between Queer Soup Night, are you familiar with uh, so again, like uh, I guess it's hard if you're not immersed I'm, uh, in the yeah. Community. I'm sort of an outsider looking in. Yeah. Um, so so no, but but tell me about that. So queer soup night is um, 
one of my colleagues, um, Liz Alpern. Um, she's amazing. She has like three businesses and a catering business called the Gefilteria. And um, she created this thing where it is basically, it's kind of like a queer party, but you go and then it's like 10 or $15 and it's a fundraiser. So um, the one I think we just had, or they just had was for Interact, which is for um, raising awareness about um, intersex individuals. And they had it at um, Nighthawk. And so three different chefs come in and donate their time and make soup for like, I want to say maybe 200 people. Whoa. They do it once a month. And it just like builds, again, it's a community building thing. You go there, you eat soup, you donate to a good cause, you make friends. Yeah, that's really amazing. awesome. I saw too that you have um, yes, like a, a storytelling showcase coming up. Yes, so I have a queer woman um, in food storytelling, and it, we actually just released our press release yesterday because we're going to do it as a bi-monthly thing, so once every two months, and it's invite only, and we um, we're going to start it invite only just because of the spaces that we have available to us, and we really want to um, talk about representation about being a queer woman with an X in um, the food industry. In the food spaces, I should say, too, because... Yeah, so I was going to say, so those stories are particularly about, uh, like, the using food spaces in terms yeah. of being consumers or being, like... Absolutely. Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of individuals that are coming work for food businesses or some type in the food atmosphere. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, even when you mentioned invite only... Yeah. Again, I have to, like, sometimes look at these things through the lens of, like... Uh, a, a person who's always sort of been looked at as, you know, like, quote, unquote, like, normal, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's something that some people would be like, well, why can't you include more people? But I was thinking about this recently because um, there's, like, the rise of a lot of these, like, all-girl like all skate groups. Yeah. Um, the, like roller derby? Well, uh, skateboarding, actually. Oh, so skateboarding. Okay. out of the cool. Bronx and Manhattan, there's this group called Brujas. Okay. And um, like it's an all, it's mostly uh, an all female skate group. They're also like. Uh, or women identifying? Exactly. Um, and uh, particularly like women of color as well. Amazing. Uh, and I had reached out to them because I was like, oh man, this is awesome. And they're even getting like noticed by like Red Bull and like major. That's so cool. Yeah, so cool. Uh, and I said, like, hey, uh, I'd love to interview someone. And they were like, listen, like, thank you so much, but we have, like, our own platform. <laughs> it's bigger than yours. And, like, <laughs> we have our own media people and stuff. So, like, we're really, like, thankful that you are interested, but we're going to stick with our people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, I think that's pretty cool that, like... To be able to have that type of visibility and platform, I think that's great. Yeah, and, you know, when I can use my platform for people, I'm happy to do so. But I thought that was really cool that they've, like, uh, been able to create their own media outlet and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, if, if, if there's a group of... It only takes one person to change the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, and it is cool. I think, like, there's probably a lot of people that are like me that don't know what it's like to not have an outlet. Right. Or to not have a space where they can talk about whatever they want. Um, I just think about, again, I, I know I mentioned this, but it's all about a comfor comfortability aspect. Like if you, if I physically don't feel comfortable going to like a bro-y sports bra bar, like I just don't feel like that is a space for me. I feel unwelcomed and I feel like I can't be who I am when I'm there. And it's just a really awful feeling to not have that element. And I can't even imagine what it's like for other people in the queer community who are more marginalized. And it's like, it's, it's awakening and that's why I do, or I do whatever I can to support 
that yeah, kind of that's thing. amazing. Yeah. I think too, like, um, I think there's something that everyone can sort of learn from that dialogue, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, like a heterosexual white male. Yeah. But really all of us are sort of taught to not love our bodies, right? Like yeah, absolutely. Every, almost every product that you buy that is advertised to you on television is to make your skin, your skin clearer yeah. or your stomach trimmer or to be more attractive or this or that. It's like those are all like playing on people's insecurities. Yeah, absolutely. That's marketing for you. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, having a, events where people are celebrating their bodies and being positive about yeah. it, I think that, you know, even people who aren't from marginalized groups, like they could definitely take something from that. Yeah, absolutely. There's always a, I always think there's a learning opportunity at these types of things, which is again, why I do welcome allies. There's, mm. I believe there is always allies at my events too, but again, it's always like a queer space. So. Yeah. Well, I, yes. Sort of more so like if someone was to gain inspiration from this. Yeah. Uh, and to, I always think that too, when people are like, well, what about this or what about that? It's like, okay, then you go start that thing. So yeah. like you saw a need for something, you started it. So yeah. if there's someone who thinks like, yeah, I'd like body positivity for men yeah. or for this or for that. It's like, okay, you can go start that group. That's great. Yeah. That's not this group, but that's a great right. idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So like, uh, yeah. How big do you want this to get? Where do you see this going? I, I honestly, right now, I'm unsure. I, I don't have any answers. I'm going to be completely honest again, just because of everything that's happened so fast. I don't, I'm I, sorry. I'm just at a loss for words, no, like okay. thinking about the time that has passed. It's been literally maybe three months and I have, I think close to 5,000 followers. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Um, and I see it as a good thing, but at the same time, I don't want to get too, too big because I want this to be like, of course, I want everybody in the queer community to feel welcomed and involved, but like community building is very personal and I want to be able to know each and every person that's following me on Instagram. And I want to meet every person at every event. And it's just so important to me to like build those connections with people in my community. And I think it is very, very important to like be allies and be there and hold events for QT Pac, which is queer and trans people of color events. And I, I will do everything I can to support other orgs doing so and like team up with them and collaborate because me as a um, white female, I can't do that alone, but I can do everything possible to like support them and everything like that. Yeah, I was going to say, we mentioned, you know, at this point, uh, a bunch of organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's, are there any others, like, in New York City that come to mind that you think people should check out or that you're, like, interested in partnering with or um, you know, collaborating? Yeah, so I, again, I said Queer Soup Night, Kuranga. Um, I'm trying... There's, like, the Bush Films, which is, like, um, another friend of mine, which is about um, a film series um, for women identifying in trans people, and they highlight um, queer uh, filmmakers and actors and those types of things. It's a really great organization to check out. Um, I work with a lot of collaborators. I love Butter and Scotch, um, which is a feminist bar and bakery in Flatbush, and they do, like, cakes that um, say, like, fuck you, Trump, or pay me equally, and, like, those types of things. And they're just so... They're extremely body positive. They're extremely, um, I think, political in the most positive way because they are truly pioneers in fighting equal rights for through food. Um, I also work with Dalloway Chocolate, which are which is who I'm doing the Queer Women in Food Storytelling with, and they're a bean-to-bar um, chocolate uh, company, and they the two women who run it, um, they're together and they met in a lesbian bar called the Dalloway. And so it's really cool. Just like it's full circle. And 
as you can, I spend a lot of time like researching different people and companies and things like that that are queer because I want to make these connections and like support them and do these types of things. Like even though this queer kitchen is focusing on things that I'm doing, I do everything I can to focus on to make sure that I'm there at other organizations that I'm representing and showing and like supporting and like it's everybody. It's like a big queer food family. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, you're completing school. Uh, on our walk over yes. here to find a quieter spot. We were just talking about some work you <laughs> yes, do on the yes, side yes. as well. So this isn't like a money generating thing no. for you, but like how much of your time and energy is going into this uh, kitchen? 90%. Yeah. I literally stay up till 11 p. I work when I, so I work right now just as a temp for the James Beard Foundation, just working from project to project. Yeah, I so was, cool. I was their previous media intern. So I kind of just like, I've been helping with like some volunteering at some of their events and doing types of things like that. And they actually, um, featured my MOFAD event, the Museum of Food and Drink event, this uh, Friday on their Instagram, which is like a huge thing to get yeah, noticed yeah. by them. So like that was like my shining light, I would say, my my biggest, most proudest moment ever. And they like support me unconditionally at work and like people from work come to my events and it's just like so nice. Um, sorry, I, I digressed. What were we talking about? No, no, that's cool. I mean, that's, oh, yeah, so this on, is what we do. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> on the side, yeah. Um, I freelance for social media and food marketing. Um, I go to school part-time. I will be graduating in the fall with my master's. I don't really have plans except keep pushing for this queer kitchen. Um, I'm gonna do a Kickstarter for oh. it coming out soon. I'm, there, there's many, many things happening, happening with this queer kitchen coming soon. How about so. um, like family support and things like that? Oh, my family's extremely supportive. They oh, are, cool. they are, I'm so, so thankful because I know it's, that's not the case for a lot of people. But, um, so yeah, just like growing up, I never had a problem coming out. I didn't even really feel I the need to come out. Um, it was kind of just like when I got my first girlfriend, they knew and that was it. Mm. Didn't really ask questions. Um, and so my parents are so cute. My whole family's so cute. They like, number one, take pictures of their food that they think looks really good because they want to, me to post it on my blog. I mean, my Instagram. And then my dad will send me pictures of him going to like um, LGBT and queer, like he, they both work in hospitals, like queer inclusive language in their hospitals. And I'm like, Whoa, oh my gosh, cool. you're like the most amazing parents I could ever have. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right, I want to nerd out about food for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Um, you mentioned growing up, like not necessarily getting like, the bologna sandwich to bring to school, <laughs> like, like getting good meals. No. What's uh, what's something that Not you... Not saying there's anything wrong with the bologna sandwich right. experience because that's right. wonderful. Trust me, I get my fair share. <laughs> totally. But I, it's also like that versus like uh, home-cooked mom's meal. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm wondering about. What do you have like a nostalgia for from, from your youth in terms of food? Oh, that is a hard question. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and my grandmother really, really inspired me too. She, I like love, love baking more than cooking, but I still mm. cook a lot. Um, and she made a devil's food cake with a... Um, cooked frosting, which like almost are no longer uh, like around anymore. It's like you cook the flour with like butter and it turns into this like, it's almost like the filling, almost like the filling of a whoopie pie. And like, I think Ooh. about this devil's food cake with this cooked frosting, like probably once a week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that I'm was supposed to be working. And I'm thinking about <laughs> a devil's food cake with it, frosting. Is grandma the one who, you know, taught you how to cook and bake? My or? grandmother and my mother on my maternal side. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Maybe then this is the same answer, but my follow-up yeah. was going to be, if you are going to have 
an event or meet people for the first time and you're, you know, metaphorically and literally breaking bread, yeah. what would you want served or what would you have served? Oh, this is such a hard question. I think truly mac and cheese. Ooh. It is so comforting. And it makes me, it's just, it's, first of all, it can be nostalgic. There are so many different types. So everybody has some sort of connection to mac and cheese, right? Um, I feel like I really also like a good Caesar salad. Okay. Yeah. I respect that too. Yeah. And there has to be bread. I'm sorry, but there has to be bread. I'm all about like that comfort food, like making you feel good. But again, the salad to bounce it out. Uh, How do you make your mac and cheese? Uh, Are we talking baked? Well, that's what I would think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Um, well, my favorite types of cheese are Gruyere oh, and cheddar, yeah. sharp, extra. I always like to do like some breadcrumbs with Parmesan, though. Do them in the pan first, then sprinkle them on top. Maybe a little bacon or not? Uh, I don't actually eat meat. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a pescatarian. Okay. I'm trying to like reduce my ecological footprint through sustainable seafood. All right, so on that note... Uh, food's very important to me. Yeah, as like a... I, I mean, I know food's important to, like, we were talking about food this whole time, but, like, food's important to me in, like, an environmental way, too. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's something to, uh, I mentioned Linda a couple of times, so that's something yeah. we were talking about, how she's uh, Yeah, they don't even use straws. Yeah. It's so amazing. I love it. It's awesome. I was gonna, gonna say, like, um, I'll bring her up again, too, but my girlfriend recently made, um, uh, vegan mac and cheese yeah. with uh, cashews. So good. So freaking right? good. And like, so uh, I want to have her make it. Uh, my, my my parents are coming out this week. But weekend. don't tell them. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah, and see what they say. You know, it's it's really not about everyone being like a vegan or doing this or doing that perfectly. It's about like tens and thousands and hundreds of people trying. And if they mess up, it's okay. But at least we're trying. It's like the Meatless Monday initiative. Mm. It's like all about just people, just like the little things that make it the huge differences. That's awesome. I was thinking too, like, um, I know I'm getting way <laughs> ahead of the conversation. Yeah. You talked about sort of where you want this to go and yes, everything, yes, but yes. just sort of under the lens of travel. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's obviously what we talk about yes. a lot on here. I could see this being something that, like, you do in, like, different cities is almost like a meetup event. And like, like I yeah. said, again, maybe even in a place where people are really, really underrepresented, like, yeah. you know, Midwest USA. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have plans to expand um, eventually. It's just uh, there's, like, many other things factors that need to like play out first again since we just started three Mm. months ago but people have reached out to me from Chicago and LA and I think we might do something in the fall in LA just like start like get the needle going you know that's awesome yeah I'll say this Gabrielle (laughs) uh it has nothing to do with people being on this podcast (laughs) but uh I've met a number of people and sometimes I feel like maybe people think I'm just saying this to the guests because they're on here yeah. Uh, but I've met a number of people who I'm like, okay, I know good things are going to happen for this person. <laughs> like I can see that yeah. goal being fulfilled or they're going to blow up or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had a woman on here who was working on as like a staff on yachts in the Caribbean. Okay. Um, and then in the off season would just travel. And like yeah. that's how she sustained herself. It's awesome. She was just on, I don't really watch a lot of TV, but I, I see this through yeah. her posts. Like she was just on Bravo's uh, Below Deck <gasps> Mediterranean, right? So like oh my God. blowing up. I've had a few fighters on here, uh, women, they were all women actually, who um, uh, are on an undefeated streak in like the two years that all of them collectively have been on here. Yeah. Uh, So like people fulfilling goals. And I've had other people who are still small within the world of the thing that they do, but I could see good things happening. Yeah. 
in the short amount of time that you've had this growth, <laughs> I could really, really see this like becoming a big thing. Um, that means so much. Thank you. <laughs> there's some other chefs that I see, like um, I'm going to pronounce her, her name incorrectly, and I apologize for that, but she goes under the name of uh, like uh, Krung Cambodia. Okay. Um, she's like everyone's like authority on Cambodian food in New York. Amazing. Uh, I saw her following you. And so I know she does a lot of things like with these, um, she just had an event upstate where they were like camping and cooking and it was like really inclusive of, of, uh, you know, people from across the spectrum. So, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Definitely see this becoming a big thing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, let's keep in touch. And then just, we, we plugged a ton of stuff, but just, uh, plug your socials again so people can follow you. Absolutely. So, um, Facebook is this queer kitchen, Instagram, this queer kitchen You can find me at thisqueerkitchen.com. Awesome. Yeah. Again, cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, Voyagers, that is a wrap on episode number 117 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Please go to the show notes for this episode, the links, and you will find my Patreon and you'll find all the cool stuff that I talked about with Gabrielle. If you're ever, you know, passing through New York or if you're from New York and want to attend one of her events, reach out to her. Also, if you know of any things that you think I should be doing in Morocco, I got a week left, hit me up either on social media or email me at thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. I know I have seen downloads and listens from Morocco, so if you're someone that's there and you want to meet up for a meal or a drink or just to say hi, that would be amazing as well. I'm going to be flying into Madrid and out of Lisbon, Portugal. So if you're in either of those cities as well, I'll be in each of those for like two days each. All right, cool. As always, folks, thank you for listening and please take care of each other.